Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. This past year has been full of so much wisdom gained and lessons learned. I'm so grateful to everyone who has been willing to share their story of life not going as planned on this little podcast of mine. I thought as we cross over into 2020, we'd take a look back at some of my favorite moments. My friend Amy Hammond shared a beautiful view about what it's like having a child with special needs. You're so lucky. You know, wow. Isn't that a thing like you're, I didn't feel lucky and I I felt this pain for my kid and all the trials she's going to have to go through. And I wish I could have her strength. I couldn't do it. She does. But you're going to be so amazed by this child who's going to teach you so much in your life. And you you get to see Holland. You get to see this beautiful side of the world that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. And you're going to have a great community. I truly think it takes a village. And I feel like people are put into your life when you need them. Yeah. And you're going to have the resources and you're going to trust your motherly instinct. You're going to know what to do. There's going to be a lot of times you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I think most of us have days like that where we have no idea. Kids don't come with a manual anyways. No, no matter what. Just be an advocate for your child. That's all you really can do. Um, always be involved and things are gonna, good things are going to come from it. I love that perspective. So tackling the other D, <laughs> what do you say to the woman that's you know contemplating divorce or they're just you know, right at that point where, okay, let's take the dive. We're doing this. Right. Like I said, when I got divorced, I didn't know a single, single person. Like it was totally unknown. And now because of it, I've met these amazing women and guys too. There's amazing guys that have gone through it and you will get a new tribe. And I wouldn't wish divorce upon anybody, but it's also not the end of the world. Good things are going to come. Be, be a bigger person, you know, be a better mom let that go and heal because there will be healing. I remember, I don't remember the pain of my divorce. I remember I went through pain, but time really, really does heal. I I don't even remember what it felt like to go through that. Other than I remember, yeah, I remember how I went through that. Yeah. But you really. Well, and I almost feel like, at least for me, I feel like it was almost like a rebirth. Like it was this second chance to make so many things right where it was like I can look at my relationship with my ex-husband and be like okay no we shouldn't be married but it gave me a second opportunity like I was not the nicest person sometimes when we were married and I'm like I have this second chance to be a better person towards him you know even though our relationship looks completely different I have an opportunity now to treat him the way that I probably always should have And same with motherhood. It was like, okay, you're not in that fog anymore. You're not the ghost in your house. So I have an opportunity to be better. And it starts today. Right. But I was going to touch on that too, because it's really not an overnight switch where you're just like, okay, everything's better now. It (laughs) takes time. And then you're like, okay. And then you realize one day, oh, we're there. (laughs) You know, it's not an overnight switch. It's going to be a trial and it's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And the same with raising a kid with special needs. You know, yeah. there's going to be really great days and there's going to be really, really hard days. Mm-hmm. You have to put it in the work with both situations. Like it's a constant effort, but it's worth it. Right. And isn't around. that life in general? <laughs> yeah. 
very, very no matter true. what it is you're going through, we're going to have good days and there's going to be bad days. And then yeah. there's just always there's always going to be something to be grateful for. Speaking of being blessed, Nathan Ogden, who has been paralyzed not once, but twice, offered us a new perspective on feeling too busy. Excuses are what control our life. Yeah. Everything we do comes down. We have fears. And then to justify those fears, we come up with excuses. I'm too old for this. I don't have time. I'm too busy. How many times do we say that? I'm two hands up. Totally guilty. office here, I'm sure it said all the time, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. So for the next week, anyone listening, do this. Don't, don't say the word busy. Say the word blessed. I'm too yeah. blessed. Wow. I'm so blessed. Oh. Because busy is a negative word. It blessed is. Blessed is a positive word. And you're never going to hear someone say, oh, man, I'm too blessed. No, no, right? I can't think of a time I have heard someone But in say, reality, you are. Yeah. Because there are people all over the world that wish they had the choices and the opportunities that you have. Isn't we that true? We get to pick and choose where others, it's not even there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too busy because I have this job that puts food on the table and a roof over our heads. I'm too busy running kids around. Exactly. And yet, you but know. you have kids. Yeah. How many women can't have and kids? And a job. And a house and food in the cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get to yeah. use my boat as much as I want. Right. What? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Say, try that. I'm too blessed. I'm taking on the challenge. Rarely. I don't, I don't know if I can say that because I'd be a hypocrite, but that I say I'm too busy right now or I'm very busy. I find a different word to say. Mm-hmm. And if you, every word you say matters in your life. Every word matters, whether it's a negative or a positive word, or it's just a, I'm okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. My wife gets upset with me when I use those things. She's like, make a choice. Right. What Do you want to go? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> She's like, why don't you say yes? I'm like, I don't, I thought sure was yes, mm-hmm. but it's, it is, but it's not as powerful. Yeah. It's not a decision. It's a, eh, Okay. I'll go. But yes is, yeah, I'm in. I'll be present. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. I want to be there. Yeah. Keisha Hart has been a great inspiration to me on how to handle life post-divorce. And she shared some wisdom on what it really means to be family. I think that there was kind of a pivotal moment for for me personally when all of these different pieces came together and evolved to where we were, you know, we were have always done birthday parties together, but there was one birthday party in particular for Audrina where all four sets of grandparents came together. Mm-hmm. I think that's <laughs> so incredible. I, it's, that's something I, really special. We took a picture and it, I get really emotional thinking about this for some reason be, because in that moment, I just remember thinking like, Wow, this is really awesome. Like, we have all come a long way because mm-hmm. there's a, it's a, there's a dynamic thing for my parents. There's a dynamic thing, between, obviously, between Nick and I. There's a dynamic between Nick and John and then the kids in the mix and then Nick's parents, you know, interacting with my parents still and then, yes. meeting, and then meeting John's parents and everybody coming together. And it was like, wow. We are all adults and we've all got our 
together. That is magical. <laughs> that is so cool and so much easier said than done. And I think, I mean, props to you to get to that place. I think that is really yeah. something special. I think so too. I think what we have is pretty incredible and it all really just goes back to commun- our communication is about the kids. It's focused around the kids. Yeah. When you talk about boundaries, we don't get into a lot of other topics outside of the kids. Our focus is the I kids. Think that's and important. that I think has helped with our relationship that it's about the kids and it's not still tied to everything else in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like we know bits and pieces, but we have that separation. Yes. I think that works the very best. And I've kind of had to learn that the hard way, but yes, I completely agree. <laughs> One thing that I've really grown with in this experience is coming to learn that the more people that love and support our kids, the better and being okay with that, being okay with the fact that they may have other people in their lives that they call grandma and grandpa someday and they may have other people. They may have a stepmom. They probably will. They'll probably have a stepdad. They'll probably have siblings and all these people come into their lives as the years go on and all I can hope for is that they influence them for the good and as long as they do that I have to be at peace that I'm still going to be mom no one's going to take my place yeah and I had that fear for a very long time like oh his new girlfriend does all these outdoorsy cool things and can shoot bow and arrow and I can't do anything like that I'm the Let's read a story and bake cookies, mom. So I'm not as cool. And I had to totally be okay with that and say, you know what? It's really cool that she's teaching them how to shoot bows and arrows because I can't do that. But that doesn't make me any less important in their lives. Absolutely. And I think in situations like that, you do have to just take yourself out of the equation and see the bigger picture for the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even now... Because three of the four sets of grandparents live in eastern Idaho. When we go over there, we're making sure that they're, you know, at least trying to see all three sets. And I'll let Nick know, hey, we're going to eastern Idaho. Do you know if your parents are in town? Or we'll reach out to your parents and make sure the kids hang out with them. And his, John and I have a child together and he'll be three in July. And Nick's parents just think the world of Wyland. How cool is that? They send him little things in the mail sometimes or when we're over in eastern Idaho we'll stop by with the big kids and you know they're just as excited to see Wyland and so I think that that also makes a really big difference. You make me cry (laughs) dang it. (laughs) For the kids that they can see that just because our family doesn't have this traditional structure yeah that there really isn't all of this. It doesn't have to be so separated and mm-hmm. siloed that this is mom's time and this is who we see when we're with mom or this is dad's time and we only see and interact with these people when we're with dad. And Exactly. Just, yeah. It, it means a lot to me that all of the grandparents come together and just treat all of the kids like they're their own and yeah. all of the parents, you know, do the same. John loves and treats my kids exceptionally you know just there's no question that he is a parent figure in their lives Mm -hmm. and 
And when we're at baseball games for Cohen, Wyland is you know, back and bobbing around between everybody, and he knows that Nick is the big kid's dad, and he will go over and he'll talk to him or try to get him to play toys with right. him. Or, you know, there's just no like, oh, that's. Yeah, there's no like line here yeah. of like, oh, don't talk to him or exactly. negative feelings. I, I think it's so cool that you've gotten past whatever drama or emotion was there that caused you to separate and not be together, that you've been able to work through all of that and say, we've got these two beautiful children together and we are going to be together on everything involving them. Yeah. I think it's super, super cool. Me too. I think it's it seems like it must be something that's kind of unique because we get comments a lot about it. Sarah Patterson is guaranteed to put a smile on your face. She was one of my most delightful guests and she shared about the upside of Down syndrome. Well, having the up syndrome is having a good energy and be happy. And I chose to be happy because this is a part of me who I like to agree with. Mm. But... It's good when you feel happy. When you wake up in the morning, just be happy with it and have courage and be kind like Cinderella has always taught me. Sarah, do you ever get down? Do you ever have days where you're like, oh, today's just not a good day? Well, sometimes, but I just don't feel it. You move past it. You can just push through it. Yep, I I go through it and just be happy with it. The way the way that you are and the way you look tonight that makes you feel special. I think one thing um, that I really admire about Sarah is um, she's told me before because I've asked her this. You know, do you ever feel um, sad? You know, or angry? And yes, she does have all those feelings, just like everybody else. Sure. But in the morning, she says. She makes a conscious effort every morning when she wakes up. She says she tells her brain that, you know, she's going to have, she's going to be happy. And I really admire that because it is a conscious choice for her. Um, you know, we're not all happy in life, but she really works at it. I think uh, we've also talked about that when she, when she's happy and kind, to other people, they treat her back in what way? Happiness. They're kind to her, and she gets positive vibes from that. So she really makes it a point to live her life like that. Yeah, starting the day, telling yourself to be positive each and every day, which is such an incredible message for all of us. I mean, because think about it. If every single one of us thought like you did, Sarah, and we started every day off saying, today is going to be a great day. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to have a positive attitude. If we could all do that, I think the world would be a much better place. So I think it's awesome that you have that kind of power in your mind and you can achieve that positivity. Oh, yes, I have lots of power in me. And that's how I feel inside of my, of my good heart. But that's the part of me and that's what I agree with, you know. Cody Shirley and J.P. Perryman are some of my most authentic guests that I've ever had. And they shared some great wisdom on having the courage to be yourself. I'm trying everything possible to not face reality. I've got all these coping mechanisms of work. And so, I mean, uh, career-wise, I was very successful. 
and I had reached a lot of goals and I had done a lot of things, but I still had this lack of peace. And, you know, I can't even say it was a lack of happiness because was I happy? Yes, I was happy. Mike's wife is a fabulous human and our kids are wonderful. And we had this world which we had created, which looked perfect to everybody, Mm -hmm. but then inside, like I'm slowly dying and I'm just like, it's a total lack of peace. Happiness and peace are two different things for me, at least. Sure. I had happiness. I was not at peace. I think that's a really important point to make because people don't always recognize the difference, but it's very true. If you've got something just gnawing inside of you that you just keep shoving down and burying, you can't be at peace, even though you've got great things in your life. Correct. You love your kids. Yes. You have respect for your ex-wife, your Mm -hmm. successful career-wise. All those things are great, and they do bring you happiness. Yes. But when you have that something inside of you that just, it'll eat you alive. And it's almost like, like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but if you're, you know, if you're like, if you're preparing for a big race or something, and sometimes your body will tell you, oh, you, you need sodium or you need salt or whatever. And your body just kind of craves like salt. Yes. But you keep eating vegetables <laughs> or fruit. It's yeah. like these are good things and they taste good, but it's not like what you need. Like your body is craving this thing. And uh, and the hard part is, is even within the Mormon church, like they, they, they make that that salt that your body is craving sound so vile and disgusting and selfish. And how could you possibly want that? Because you're a horrible, terrible person. And they don't say it quite like that, but they allow other people to say it. And then they don't correct them, which has always been thinking, my issue. Why am I craving salt? Yeah. Why do and obviously <laughs> salt is here is a metaphor, me? right? Yeah. But yeah. it's like, I can't explain why. Like I, and, but one thing is very real. And that is, I need this thing. And I can't explain why, but I'm going crazy not not having this. Yeah, you don't have the peace. Correct. I think that's Cody's way of really saying that JP's a salt of the earth kind of guy. Yes, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you didn't go so far as to get married, JP. I didn't. I didn't. I joined the LDS church uh, right before my 21st birthday. I went on a mission. Uh, came home and to your point about the pressure of, of getting married, I remember I had just gotten home. I had maybe been home. I, I don't even think a month. And one of the guys uh, that that I was going to church with asked me how old I was. And because I went on my mission a little bit later uh, at that point, now I'm, I'm 24. And I remember him saying, Oh, so you're a menace to society. That's um, what they would say. Yeah, yes, it yes. goes I don't back know. to this old Brigham Young quote. But <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, a, a menace to society. I'm trying to do everything, everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I haven't even been home f- for a month from having served this full time two year missionary yeah. or, or mission in Venezuela. And so um, there, I, I remember that pressure that it, it was just kind of constant. Uh, I dated. Uh, I, I went to BYU, um, dated a girl who, who I really, really loved. Uh, we got engaged, but early on I was very upfront with her about this is, this is what I deal with. I'm, I'm attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked, worked really hard to try to make it work. But at, at the end of the day, it wasn't really fair to, to her at all. And, and it wasn't fair to me and, and we couldn't make it work. And so I thought, well, if I, 
I've got to figure out a way to, to actually make this work before I, um, you know, go, go that far as to, to get engaged. Did you have some similar feelings, uh, in that if I get engaged or I get married, this will go away or for sure. For sure. I, I thought, okay. Um, I, I joined the church and I thought, okay, this will fix it. Mm-hmm. It'll go away because of this. And I thought, well, maybe on my mission, it'll go away as a result of, of serving my mission. Got home and I thought, okay, I'll try counseling. Uh, I went through a lot of counseling, still wasn't going away. And I thought, well, maybe maybe if I get married, uh, this, this will fix it and it'll eventually go away. Uh, and it didn't. And it seemed like the further, the more that I tried to push it down and make it go away, uh, the more, the, the stronger the, the feelings became. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever talk to your ex-wife about how you felt to any degree? Never. Not until I came out um, or got found out, really. Not until late into our marriage. We were eight years into our marriage before she had a clue. Yeah. That was the worst day of my life. She was totally shocked. Yeah, we... um we were having some marital problems and I had gone to California for a work trip and then came back and, um, you know, I had a conversation with one of my buddies down there who, you know, one of my straight buddies down there and we conversed a little bit and I told him, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm gay and, and I don't think I can make my marriage work. And so my ex-wife, I think sensing that there was something up, um, mm-hmm. did a little of her own investigation while it was asleep via telephone and then she, I remember her waking me up at, at midnight. She flipped the lights on and I'm out of this groggy sleep. And she said, are we going to make this work or not? And I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, I read your text message from your buddy and I just want to know if we can do this. And, you know, rightfully so, she was frustrated and, and confused and trying to work through these problems. And then I just said, well, it's complicated. And then she said, well, what do you mean it's complicated? And I said, well, it's really, really complicated and she goes like, like what? Like, are you, like, are you into men? Like, and, and she said it kind of like trying to pick the most outrageous thing she could possibly think of and just throw it out there. And then I just said, yes. And she didn't expect that response. No, she did not. And she was, you know, that started a very long, difficult, horrible conversation, which to this day I think of, and it just breaks my own yeah. heart. Yeah. And, I, and hers as well, I'm sure. Because you didn't have any intentions of Heavens no. breaking her heart. You wanted to do the right thing. And, and the, the hard part, which is always hard to communicate, and a lot of people don't understand, is like, like my marriage with her was not ugly. Like it wasn't, I mean, we were friends. We didn't argue. Like, mm-hmm. And so like in my mind, I'm thinking I should be okay with this. Like I should be satisfied with being married to her, but I'm not, and I can't understand it. And so- like as time goes on, like you start to feel, I don't, I don't know. It, it like you're breaking the heart of a person you love. Yes. Like, yes, I can totally relate because with my ex-husband, I have the utmost respect for him. I mm-hmm. think he's a great person. Mm-hmm. He's my good friend. Yes. Do I think that we should be married? No, it's a really unique relationship. Yes. And we just had challenges that it didn't work as yeah. far as marriage went. That doesn't mean that I don't have a love for him. I do. Yes. And people often think you, you should hate that person. That's your ex. So you should hate them. And I I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. I, I totally relate. Like it's, and it, that was the hard part is 
it, I sometimes I would wish that she was a total jerk to me so that I could have a reason to be a like, screw you, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I hate you. Yeah. But she never was. Yeah. And so it's like, I have to just own up to this and say, this is my choice. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it's my fault to a certain degree. I accept responsibility for the things I should, I feel like. But, but you are who you are and you I don't, you am. can't change that. I can't. Nope. Yeah. You know, I could have done things differently from the beginning, but I didn't. You know, there's lots of people who are gay and raised in the LDS church and they never marry and they never have kids and they never victimize this, you know, wonderful woman who didn't deserve it. I was not one of them, but I didn't do it maliciously. I did it because right. I thought that the outcome would be different than it was. My final featured guest, Crystal Markham, had one of the most difficult stories to share. Her 24-year-old daughter, Madeline Dusky, was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Not only did she leave us with a powerful reminder to never drink and drive, but she also issued a word of caution about toxic positivity. Obviously, I want to live a good life for her her legacy. Like, I would not want to not live a good life um, because I'm her mother. And I feel like I need, you know, I want, I don't want it to be like, oh, Maddie died and her mom couldn't handle it like that. You know, I want to be strong for her. Like she's still my daughter and she still lives inside of me. I mean, you can't see her, but she's with me and she lives inside of me and I miss her dearly. She was not just, you know, she was a friend. She was a mom. She was a good um, cousin, um, niece, Yeah, good granddaughter, too many. And so I just don't want to be the mom that couldn't you know, make it. I mean, I do struggle. Sure. Um, but I, I, you know, I can see the, you know, there's, there's good that not necessarily comes out of her death. I don't want to say I know. That. I hated to even go to that no, place. Like, I know. Are there any like, blessings here about. at all? Uh, sure. I mean, blessings of the goodness of people. Yeah. The goodness of, um, people reaching and lending a hand and understanding and, um, people who see me right now, it's like people who see me who without me saying they see me, they see, they understand they've, they've thought about what maybe I'm going through and they see me still today, not just, you know, days after she died or months, but you know, nearly two years and a couple months. So, uh, they see me and that really means a lot to me. Um, and for me, like, I instantly went into search for like, people want to give you all these positive, you know, they want you to be better. So they want to fix you. Right. And they can't, you cannot fix this. You cannot fix this. No. So I think there needs to be awareness that we can't fix people's problems and we need to do better at like holding space for people and, um, stop with the toxic positivity. Like it's just not helpful for people suffering and not just suffering from grief, but suffering in life in general. Like, um, there kind of needs to be a revolution about that. That's a very important message. Nothing makes you feel worse than buck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do I buck up from this or smile about this or, and you know, if you read Megan Devine's book, she even goes into the, um, you know, the toxic spirit, spirituality of it. And it, that can be toxic too. And, and a lot of people think it's really helpful, but you know, like, you know, God needs another angel is not, nope. Yeah. Ma- you don't uh, want to, or, you know, the children need a, a, a mom. Yeah. Maddie's children need a mom. 
Yes. They want their yes. mom and they will always want their mom. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they're well taken care of. They're well loved. Um, but nobody can replace nobody Maddie. Nobody can replace Maddie. And so uh, just hearing that is not helpful. And people don't mean that. But um, so I guess in her legacy, I want to just, um, you know, be... Uh, awareness for those things for people are hurting we we don't need to fix them we need to um, hold space for them and uh, and also that it's okay I should be hurting yes let's just say that if I'm not there'd be I mean that's there'd be something wrong okay. with that yeah like, I mean she was my only child she was yep. extremely important to me not only was she my child you know you know she's now 24 she her and I were friends you know best of friends yes. worst of enemies you know we'd yeah. been through a lot she was you know strong-willed child I mean that relationship could never I mean I have to cry yes it's important that I cry it's important that I grieve and if I suppress that then I end up drinking or drugs or other things like that and I think a lot of people suppress their stuff and they feel like they have to yeah well you get a good dose of me. I don't do that. <laughs> like, I, I just don't like it. And I, I think you can be positive and also share your stuff. Yes, absolutely. It can walk hand in hand. Like, I don't let it stop me, but I certainly am not um, going to say I don't hurt. I hurt a lot. I hurt yeah. every day. And I, I will still say I probably cry at least once a day. Maybe they're short lived. They don't knock my day out. Like it used to be like, I, Oh great. Today's yeah. gone. Like I'm crying all day. You know, that doesn't happen. Um, but I definitely have at least one a day. Yeah. You know, usually they're at night um, when everybody's in bed and you just go, what yeah. this happened? This to is me. my life. Yeah. And so I, I, I just want to say that in her legacy, I would like to like just help people, um, you know, be real about life, that life is not always happy. I'm yep. sorry. It's not. It's not. I mean, even prior to this, and people will always say to me, because I've been through this, like, they'll be like, oh, I shouldn't even say this to you, because I know you're going through so much. But everyone's sorrow and problems are valid. And, yes. And uh, I so much important. rather know you and know what's going on in your yeah. life than try to figure you out. We don't need to sit and compare it. Yeah. There's or like, figure, yeah. Or figure it out or yeah. fix it. Yeah. But just acknowledge that it's, it's yeah. there and that's what that person's going through and they're working through it. And yes. And it's hard to, in the society, talk about it because there's so much of this positivity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's toxic positivity. And yes. I, I that's myself... That's the first time I've heard that term, toxic positivity, but it totally exists. Well, I found a video because let me tell you, I went in search for this because what was happening is people were saying things to me and I was like, oh my God, that's... Stop. <laughs> Don't say that to me. And, you know, some of my very close friends, bless them, um, you know, I would obviously say, you can't say that to me. Yes, because you're close enough to. Yeah, do that. you don't don't say that to me. <laughs> and so um, I went in to kind of search for it because it was bothering me so much. Right? I hear these things and I would feel uh, make me feel worse. And so I went to kind of search for it. And I did find a video about it and it's posted on my wall, but it's about toxic positivity. And um, it, it it's if we were not feeling our, you know, grief, if we're not feeling sadness, if we're not upset about, you know, job loss or maybe your kids being nasty, uh, we're dead. Like we're not alive. Right. And so I think that's how she put it. We're dead. And so it's okay to be like, we can live life with 
problems. Yeah. And it doesn't mean and that we don't have to hide them. It doesn't mean you're crazy or you're no. less than or you're anything. I think I felt like that for a very long time. I come from, I love my parents. I do. But they want, you know, when they make a phone call, my response is always to be, life is great. Uh-huh. So I can't say yeah. it's a bad day today or yes. they don't know how to emotionally handle that. And I think we need to learn yes. how to handle that. Yes. You know, with each other. Yes. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to, you know, just be there. And like you said, create uh, support. Don't fix it. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Hear. Yeah. Hear it out. And um, yeah. yeah, So for me, that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. Like I, I, I just think there needs to be a little big shift in society in many ways and on how we handle sadness, how we handle grief. Um, because nobody intends to make people feel bad. No. They think it's helpful, but it's just not helpful when you're really sad to hear that, you know, just buck up. It's <laughs> not going to help me. Like, yeah. I just would, ra- I mean, the best thing people could say to me is that they see me and that I'm strong and that, oh my gosh, you're doing, you know, I mean, cheer for me, fine. But don't even do that because I don't like a lot of attention. But I, I feel like there's better ways to let people know you see them and, don't try to fix them because I already feel broken as hell. Like I feel so broken. Yes. And there's nothing that they're going to say that's going to fix you. No. And I, and, and I already feel, you already feel lonely and, and, you know, I mean, I definitely now know what depression means. I mean, I thought I knew before and I had gone through bouts of depression in my life, but nothing like this. Um, but there's people that suffer all over. And I think some of the, you know, suicide rates increasing is there's because of the internet. Um, not only are there beautiful images of people, there's beautiful positivities, there's beautiful life, there's beautiful sayings, and it's no different than a Photoshop photo to me. So true. So true. Like it's refreshing when you see somebody tell me online they're, I mean, if let's just be honest on there. I mean, if you're going to share your life online, share your life. Don't yes. just share the, the good and the bad. Yeah. But people are real. People don't, people don't really respond that well to the honesty, which I think yeah. I hope in the future changes because the Internet is powerful. And um, and I'm not saying walk around being sad all the time. I don't do that. I live in every moment as it is. And I try to live as I am in that moment. And I like your podcast that, you know, talks about life is not perfect. And yeah. And, but there's a big image of that and it makes people suffer. And I think that's why the suicide rates are up. People can't measure up. It's probably inevitable that 2020 will have plenty of not the way I planned moments, but I hope we can all continue to strive to find joy, even when life leaves us in a place we never thought we'd be. And I'm excited to hear more stories to help carry us along the way. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.